What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I'm super honored, excited, and grateful today to welcome my guest, Jock Brocas. Hi, Jock. Hi, Dawn. How are you? Thank you for having me on. You are welcome. Thanks for being spontaneous and last minute and patient (laughs) with my process. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. So Jock is an amazing, amazing, incredible human being. He is a spiritual mentor to leaders and change makers, as well as a best-selling author um, with books in several languages globally. He's a professional medium and editor of several magazines, two of which are award-winning, and he writes national and international magazines on spiritual growth, the paranormal, and personal development. Welcome, Jock. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to have a conversation with you and to share it with your listeners. I'm so um, I'm so excited. I just told Jock before we started uh, recording the very first time I heard him. I just thought, wow, this is an incredible human being. Like he's <laughs> so wise. He's so deeply grounded and loving and heart centered and connected. And um, you just are a beautiful, beautiful soul. So I'm super honored that you're here with me. That's a pleasure. Thank you. And vice versa. Just the light shines to both sides. Mm, thank you. <clears throat> okay. So he was just about to tell me a story and I'm just going to ask. <laughs> this will be my first question. <laughs> you grew up in a monastery. Well, I didn't grow up in it, but my uncle was a monk and, uh-huh. um, and I had aspirations when I was a young boy of being a Catholic priest. And so I spent a lot of my youth in the monastery and, you know, living with the monks and, you know, when the nuns and monks and priests were on, it was a retreat center and I was there all the time. And so any time that I could go on, I should say leave because I was in the army as well. And I just about to say, <laughs> go and leave. So that's later in life. But, you know, when we had a holiday from school, I was at the monastery. So, you know, my mother or father wanted to go on holiday and I would want to go to the monastery and not bother going on holiday. So I just, wow, I loved what, it there what, and I felt what, peace. What weird geeky kid wants to hang out at church? I, I know. And, and the funny thing, even at high school, I would go to church every day. And um, But the, the interesting thing was, is that as much as I was indoctrinated into a dogmatic faith system. Religion, uh-huh. I couldn't help but question it, which the priests used to get really annoyed with me because I was like, but that don't make sense. And that don't make sense. And I was very inquisitive. And um, I remember one priest saying, you know, you're you're an old soul and you're wise before your years, but, you know, this is not the place to discuss it. And that was the wrong thing to say to me because then I would go and research it as a young kid. I'd say, well, why can't I research this and why can't I do this? And, you know, one of my books, when the, one of the first books that I ever got was a vacation to the priesthood. So while other, you know, the other kids were getting Ur Willie and the Bruins comics, I was, I was 
reading spiritual books, not knowing exactly where my life was going to go. You're a master. You're a master. Well, I mean, I'm still a student. I always will. Well, okay. We all, we all are students, (laughs) but, but how fascinating from a young age that you are so deeply connected and inquisitive. Mm. You know, I'll tell you a funny story because when when eventually I wanted to be a priest and I was in a a junior vacation seminary prior to going into a senior seminary, and (laughs) we laugh at this. So there was loads of there was loads of kids there, loads of guys, and they were all wanting to be priests and everything else. Yeah, and and this is probably where my inquisitiveness, you know, you know, curiosity kills the cat. So the the young boys wanted to want to be, they kept on coming back and saying they had these amazing visions and these experiences. And they would go up to the grotto and they said that they would see Jesus and see Mary and they would see this saint and that saint. And they would have these experiences. And I would think, I want to get myself some of that, actually. I'm going to go and see what, what all the fuss is about. And I would go down there and, you know, be there. And I'm like, huh, nothing. Right, so there's nothing happening. So I, <laughs> I kind of thought you know, they're either full of it, right, uh-huh. or there is something, or I'm missing out on something, and I'm not as you know, I'm not. You're not as connected as they. Not are. as connected as they are. I found out, you know, later on that most of them were all just full of it, actually. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> just fucking crap, actually, and that, I think that's where my scientific inquisitive mind came in because you know. They would have all these experiences and nothing ever added up. And I, because I questioned the priests and the brothers I, all, all the time and nothing would add up. And I just, I, I couldn't let go. And then when they had experiences, so one night there was one kid, they kept on saying he was having all these beatification and these, these beautiful visions and things. And so me and a guy called Jamie got some nylon fish gut. And we ran it underneath the rug and the carpet in his room and tied it to the chair. And we were in, and we went into the next room. And so when he was sleeping at night, we'd pull on it to move things across. So that it was like a haunted place. And this kid got up and ran out the door and he's running straight down the hallway. So I thought that got you back. So yeah, not, not, did you have a real vision this time? So I was, you know, I was a bit of a, um, you were mischievous. <laughs> I was mischievous. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I, you know, we. You know, I'm not proud of some of the things I did when I was in the monastery as well. We did nick the altar wine, and me and Jamie went back into the graveyard and drunk the altar wine when we weren't supposed to. So, yeah. yes, I had a very spiritual uh, uh, upbringing, but you know, I was like a, I was like a young kid. You're still you know, a kid. I, I was still mischievous, you know, and that carried on into the army as well. So. I bet you have some. St- okay, tell me one army story. Come on. Oh, an army story. Go on. Yeah, tell me a mischievous army story. Oh, I probably started one of the biggest battles and fights between two battalions in, in history. So I was based in Kent at this time, and my friend was going out with this this young lady, and um, you know, obviously, you're a soldier. You know, I'm still spiritual, but not as spiritual as I was when I was younger. You know, I'm, I'm doing the army thing. And I decided that, you know, we'd, we'd disappear and we would go out on the town at night. And, you know, my friend's girlfriend was seeing another guy behind his back. And anyway, Uh-oh. you can imagine what happened. So yeah. 
I decided to take, you know, I'm going to look after my boy. So I decided to take matters into my own hands and go up and take the guy on. And that led into one punch went one way. And then some, somebody else jumped in before we knew it. We had the whole battalion that was outside oh, in the streets. <laughs> so that wasn't very good. You know, there was loads. Of, I mean, I had loads of stupid things we did. I remember, you know, we, we nicked the RMP's wagon one time and decided to take it out in the town when we weren't supposed to. We were actually grounded in the camp. So, yes, I was spiritual, but I was still a soldier and I was still very mischievous. <laughs> so. Now, why why did you decide to leave the seminary? Well, when we were, we got to the point, so it was like a junior seminary before you go into a senior one. And that is when really you start to take the vacations and you start to take the ministry and things like that. And my uncle passed mm. and um, I was very distraught because I was really close to my uncle and they decided that it was really too close for me to, to make a decision to go into yeah. a, a, the proper seminary at the time. Right. right. And I should take a year or two out to get over and deal with the grief side of things and, uh, and then come back. Um, which instead I got lost for a little bit and then decided to, you know, I joined the army instead. So I did that. So I went, I went from wanting to be a priest to being a soldier. I went at 360. Well, I 180, sorry. Well, actually, you're a spiritual soldier right now. Yeah, pretty much what I, what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I saw that, um, the last numerous posts on Instagram were about grief. Yeah, I kind of specialize in grief. Yes, I mean, so I mean, I help people who are grieving and yes, I do readings and things, but, um, my specialization is really educating them from a deep divine awareness point of view. So I teach, I work a lot at the moment with the groups of, of widows, mm. um, women who have lost their husbands through COVID. Mm. And um, I do a lot of work with them. I do a lot of lessons and I teach them and I get them to understand um, not only the afterlife, but also to be aware of, of the trials, the tribulations and the falsehoods that they come up against and the falsehoods. You see, people think that in grief you can heal through grief, but the reality is, is that you can't. It's impossible to heal through grief. Because grief is a journey that we all take. Right. And it's a journey of development of the soul. Um, you don't heal through grief at all. What you do is you come to a level of acceptance, awareness and acceptance of it, in which case it teaches you, it becomes the greatest teacher if you allow it. Did, what did you learn <laughs> when you were dealing with your, the grief of your uncle, of losing your uncle? Actually, I learned probably more when I lost my father because I probably didn't understand grief to the capacity that I did because my father and I never had a great relationship and we had bad words before he passed and he passed mm. literally within hours of me having those words. Mm. And so that must have been, awful. it was very hard and I couldn't grieve properly because it wasn't until about six or eight months later that it hit me and I found myself on a, a beach drinking away and not understanding why I acted the way I acted or he acted the way he acted. And, 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 and I have to be honest, you know, thinking that my life wasn't worth anything, mm-hmm. feeling so much guilt. And then I realized that more mainly it wasn't the guilt. It was feeling it was the shame 
I was mm. feeling of it. And mm-hmm. the shame was what really was was my own crucifixion, if you like. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> when I help and counsel people through the grief journey, I'm not coming at it from a theoretical point of view that a lot of counsellors are coming from. I'm coming at it from a point of view of someone who um, has walked the other side, and I mean the other side in the afterlife, and understands the mechanics of it. And from a deep level of experience of loss of, you know, a lot of loss that I've experienced in my life. I haven't just lost one. I've lost friends, um, relations, uh, people really close to me. Mm-hmm. So I felt the impact of grief in all levels. I lost my father. And How, I was long 52. How long ago? My father ago was 52. That? So 2002 uh, was probably, yeah, 2002 is when I lost my dad. Uh-huh. He was 52. So how did you overcome your shame of the, you know, having that bad experience, those bad words between you and your dad? You know what? No one overcomes it. I, I, I could sit here and say, yes, I've overcome my shame. I have no more shame. That's a lie. Because I've come to accept it. I've come to a level of empathy with it. And I mm-hmm. understand it from an empathetic uh, pathway. But if I think back to th- that time, there is still a little bit of shame there because I don't think it ever leaves you when, when you think that you're, you know, the reality is, is that shame is you feeling bad about that you've done something, you know, you're, you're feeling bad. You feel evil, if you like, or you feel right. really horrible about yourself. Right. Whereas guilt is a behavior, you know, where it's, it's worse with the emotion. You know, and Brenny Brown talks about this a great deal, you know, and, and, and uh, yeah, I suppose even studying Brenny Brown's work, that's opened my eyes a lot more mm-hmm. to that aspect of it. And so I would say now that in my own journey, I have come to a level of empathy and acceptance from the awareness of it. But I would never say I've, I've healed it. I would say that I've, I've accepted it. And, you know, because I can spark that little bit of shame in me if I think back to that time and I feel I feel horrible for what I did or what he did. So then how do you develop a level of compassion and forgiveness for yourself? Well, the first thing to understand, and this is what a, what a lot of people miss out in forgiveness, they say that forgiveness is a tool and something that you, is a skill set, something that you'd be skilled at. Actually, I taught a, I taught a, a video on this, a lesson on this on YouTube. Um, it, Forgiveness is a power. Forgiveness is a divine power that you wield. Uh, it's not a skill that you get better at because the reality is, is that a skill is something that's there temporarily. If I was a great basketball player and I played basketball and I practiced and I practiced to get that basketball in the net or the rugby ball to the goals or the soccer to the goal, that is a skill that I've developed that's temporary. When I've scored that goal, it's temporary and I can keep doing it until the day now that I stop doing it and I move on to something different. I don't play mm-hmm. basketball anymore. I don't play soccer anymore. Then that skill has left me and I'm not utilizing it. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is a divine power that is inherent in all of us. And you have a choice, free will to wield that power or not. It is not something that you get skill for. It is something that you develop even more through awareness, compassion, understanding yourself, loving yourself for mm-hmm. a start. Mm-hmm. Because we cannot forgive anyone unless we love and forgive ourselves. And you cannot forgive yourself unless you come to a place of love within yourself. And so that's a tough order. 
It is a tall order, but it's a necessary order. And it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you're not trying to be the best at it. You're not trying to be, you know, you're just trying to become aware of it and move toward increasing that power within you, increasing that divine power within you. Cause we're all divine beings. And the greatest, I think the greatest illusion that, that people fall on is that they say love is the, the, the main divine law of the universe. It is not. Love is a sub law of one law. And the one law is the law of balance, the law of harmony. Because if everything was in perfect balance, there would be no duality, which means that we wouldn't know good, we wouldn't, wouldn't know bad. We only understand love because we, 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 there's hate. We only understand good because there's evil. We only understand health because there's pain and karmic waves. It brings into reality in our consciousness that dualism. And so when we understand that the real divine law is perfect harmony and balance is, is balance. When there is perfect balance, there's no dualism. Everything is still. You wouldn't know what love was because everything would be perfect. Now we cannot attain perfection, but what we can do is we can work towards understanding the dualistic nature of our being now and grow toward what we aspire to. And so to understand oneself is to know oneself. And it's a big saying, man, know thyself, know, right. know who you are. That doesn't mean know that you're strong, know that you're fit, know that you're weak, whatever. It means know that you are connected to all that there is, that you are part of the same animating force that animates, the same animating force that animates the leaf to grow in the tree, to fall on the ground, to change is the same animating force that animates your soul, that animates your spirit, that animates you. And without that animating force, we don't, we don't exist. So to understand the divine animation, the, you know, animate the spirit, whatever you want to call it, God, whatever, whatever you aspire to, mm-hmm. um, is the first step to learning to know who you are and to enhance that divine power inside of you to grow that divine seed within you. How do you think that people get so disconnected from that? Partially we get disconnected because we're, we're caught up in this material world. Duality. (laughs) Duality. But we're caught up with, was a horrible, you know, the horrible aspect of this duality is that we are attached to things and we are attached to expectations and we have imbalanced expectations and we fall into uh, a perceptive, if you like, I like to kind of, kind of liken it to a sheep's pen, the perceptive sheep where we follow everybody else's perception. Hmm. You see a lot of people say you have to believe in something. I believe in nothing. The reason I believe in nothing is because if I believe in something that then I'm following the perception of what someone implies is the right truth. But the reality is, is that if I know something, then that knowing is from my deep inner awareness, my deep knowledge. It means that there is no gray area. I know 
I don't believe, I'm not falling upon a particular perception. I know within myself. I know who I am. I know that I'm connected. I know, and nobody else can know me but me. How do you, how do you distinguish <clears throat> though, Jock? Because I, I had read that in one of your posts about the difference between believing and knowing. Yeah. I think, I think it's a, a challenging concept to understand. Massively challenging. Absolutely. Well, see, here's the difference. I was on a radio show many, many years ago and I was asked if I believed in the afterlife and I said, no, I don't. Because if I believe in the afterlife, you're telling me, you're, 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 you're giving me an opportunity, a choice based on the perception of someone. The reality is, is that I know there's an afterlife because of deep experiential awareness and deep experience. Now, this world is all about experience. Right. And once you experience things at a spiritual level, when that experience has opened up and became your realization, um, then you've come to know. And when you come to know, there's no way that anyone can tell you to believe but what if, what if you don't have the experience of knowing because you you just said that you have experienced the afterlife? Yeah. So, but here's the thing. You can know. So let me give you an example. Yeah. Um, from just a material point of view. You're standing at the, the, bottom, the bottom of a hill, right? And everybody's standing around you and say, there's no way you can claim that. Because, but then they'll say, believe you can claim it. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, well, I don't know. You're still, you're st- still not willing. And even if you start claiming, believe in yourself, believe in yourself. The reality is, is that when you know from the bottom, you can claim it. You, they don't even need to tell you anything. You see that hill and you know, you're going to be at the top of that hill at any, at any given time. There is no question from anyone trying to tell you what to believe in. There's no question in someone trying to tell you that, you know, you can do this. You need to do this or, um, you know, believe that you can see it at the end of the, it doesn't matter. If you know, you don't need anyone telling you anything. No, there is no gray area. You already know. And it's just a natural progression. You, you have that hill to climb, you'll climb it. And you won't even, and you won't even, it won't even enter into your reality to question it. There will be no question. If you question, it sows a seed of doubt. If there is no question, it comes from knowing. I don't question the afterlife. I know it. it doesn't because allow me to bring any doubt in. Well, because I think that a lot of people, experience a lot of life with doubts and insecurities and that's that's the journey you know you're going to experience things that throw you up and down and the whole the whole treasure trove of experiences in life is to get to that point of knowing you know wouldn't it would it would it be what would we learn if we didn't have doubts and things that gave us the whole journey is about us getting to know man know thyself jesus Uh said it he didn't say, you already know yourself, there's nothing for you to learn. Uh-huh. He was inviting and saying, man, know thyself. Get to know who you are. Take the journey. Take the step. That step will come across many trials and tribulations. It'll come across many hills that you think you can't climb. And people will try and guide you and people will try and tell you what to do. And sometimes people will tell you what to do and it's not for you and it's not for your soul's growth. 
when there is no question and no doubt in your mind, that is when your soul is growing the most. Mm. When you doubt, you're, you're, you're having to learn things. You're having to go through the experience that will help you to develop and develop your spiritual, you know, your spiritual seed. But when you know something, you're getting closer to that communion with divine power. And it's everybody's job to try and get to that communion. Another little analogy that might, that, that might, um, explain it. So I'm sure there's a lot of listeners love, uh, Lord of the Rings. And I, I, I kind of uh, taught this in a video as well when I, I taught about, um, this aspect of forgiveness and things. So Lord of the Rings, um, between knowledge and wisdom, Gandalf gets to, he's being chased by all the orcs and all the evil monsters and God knows what else. And they get to, they get to a void and the void is the mountain. It's a pass and there's nothing there. Everyone else looks on and can see nothing. They doubt that they're going to survive. They doubt everything. They doubt even Gandalf. But Gandalf is something different. He knows and he, and, and in his knowing, he is connected to divine wisdom. And so he steps out and all of a sudden, what is not seen is revealed. And lo and behold, there is a bridge that can carry them across. That's the difference. It's the difference between faith and knowing and, and show yeah. me the sign. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, it's, it's being, you know, having revealed to you what is unseen. And so how do people learn to tap into that divine intelligence? I mean, the, the first thing is you're not going to wait. Here's the other thing. You're not going to wake up in the morning and, and be immediately enlightened. And, <laughs> and I certainly don't expect, I'm, I'm certainly not enlightened as, you know, as I'm always like, from my, yeah. <laughs> as, as you've learned from my stories previously, I'm certainly not enlightened. Um, but I think the desire to better oneself spiritually, you see, nothing in life can be learned or even success can be gained unless there is a spiritual foundation. Mm. This world, this universe, it only exists on spiritual principles, on divine law. Nothing that you do think, experience, is out with that law. And if you have a desire to understand and connect from knowledge to wisdom, then I would say the first thing you need to do is to pray from your heart that that's what you want and learn how to pray properly. And start to notice the small things that mean that you're connected. Like what? Well, you see, when we, when we, let's say, for instance, we walk around, we go on a walk, right? we go on a hike and maybe in a little park or something. And most people are very blase to what's around them. And they're connected, thinking about the phone, connect, you know, they're on their iPhone, whatever it is. Um, how many people actually take stock of becoming more mindful and aware of where they are in this moment? And then how many more people? And if you want to go deeper. Well, what into, do you mean, Jock? <laughs> and if you want to understand more of the present moment, 
is understand that the present moment is not something that you you go to. It's not a place that you journey to, that you are actually the present moment. Once you realize that you are the present moment, then you you don't need to you know go into a meditative state to understand and become aware of the present moment because you're always there is only the present moment. There is only the now. That's the only thing that exists. Once we realize that that is there, then we can become more appreciative and more uh, gratuitous of the things that we experience in a normal day. Even walking around that park is to experience how beautiful a tree is. And instead of just looking at the tree is going to the life of the tree. Mm. Start to question what you're being aware of. You know, you don't, most of us will say, that's a beautiful tree. I'm really enjoying this. I'm really, my God, that's lovely. That Look at that bird that's there. But how many of us actually really go into the story? How many of us really go deep into that story? And if you want to awaken something inside of you to become more self-realized, then maybe you should start going into the story a little bit more. And maybe you should start to practice by being one in your practice than thinking of something as a skill. And incidentally, um, in on my LinkedIn profile, I wrote, I'm a big thing about parables. I write parables and I wrote a recent parable uh, about practice, about a night in practice. And I'll be happy to send it to you and any, any reader that wants it. I have, a, I had my, one of my designers design it into a PDF, a really a good story because it's, it's on LinkedIn. And if you don't, if you're not connecting me on LinkedIn, you're not going to get it. But a lot of people have loved it. And that's exactly what I ex- exemplify in that parable is the importance of understanding deep practice being one with practice and not thinking it's something you get good at or a skill like forgiveness. You don't get good at forgiveness and it doesn't become a skill. Mm. You enhance or you ignite the power of forgiveness, the power of compassion. And then as you go down this journey, the illusion starts to drop away and you start to become more self-aware. And the deeper you become more aware then the choices become more powerful in your reality of, of what you can choose. And, and I often say to people that when you're on a spiritual path and you have an awareness of what is wrong and you choose that because it seems the easiest way, the karmic effect is a hundred times worse than anybody who's not aware. Hmm. So those on a spiritual path have to take into Relation, they, have to, they have to have a relationship, if you like, with love and karma mm-hmm. and understanding the power of karma in their life. Why aren't we taught this? I'm just, um, I'm just thinking about our world, how yeah. busy and chaotic and, you know, full of distractions and noise and striving and pushing and doing and all. There's, there's such a, a lack of a sense of, Slow down and be present with this yeah. moment. I can answer why we're not taught it. Actually, very simple. Because the reason it's not taught in the mainstream is because people who are in leadership positions or people who are in governing positions, do you honestly think they would want someone to become self-aware and, and awakened? Uh, or I'm not, I don't even like the term awakened, but realized, you know, self-realized to then question them. Uh, I was going to say there'd be no way to control 
No, and and you imagine. So the reason it's not taught is through not from you know it is controlling us, but it's from fear from them because who would want everyone else to be so powerfully aware in this world? Mm-hmm. We're not, and and this is what we're up against. Is the the we we don't have you know the, the path is I mean, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda was a great proponent of self realization uh, and, and you know if you study some of those those ancient teachers and even Gandhi and some of those those avatars that have gone before us um, recognized that self realization is incredibly powerful and to become self realized or become having a deeper awareness of being the observer in the world and not the participant. The minute that we are mm. the participant, we are under control. Right. The minute we are the participant, we are caught in expectations, attachments, and everything else that goes along with it. Right. And we create all of our own suffering through, you know, um, through the experiences and the choices that we make and the perceptions that we follow of, the other, of others. I was going to say the stories we tell ourselves. Absolutely. And there's no way that people in higher places of authority would want us to become self-realized. And so I think this happens in relationships too, right? (laughs) If you are, if you are just stuck in the story and the perception, as opposed to having this external awareness, higher awareness. And and, and your relationships, you know, in a relationship, you know, I was married before and I was divorced. And 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 I thought I thought I knew what love was. I what didn't did, what did you think love was back then? That's interesting. Togetherness, um support. Uh I suppose there would have been a carnal nature to things. And that's not what that's not what love was. It's not what love is. And a compatibility. A vibrational match, but that's I, you know, I I only found what love was when I met my wife. No, we've been married for eighteen years, and as I said to you previously, you know, um, we spend all of our time together, and we uh, can't that, get enough of each other. That blows my mind. <laughs> eighteen years, still going, still can't get enough of each other. Still having really deep conversations and spiritual awareness, and I mean, we can have. Um, hours of conversations on different topics. We listen to books together in the car, spiritual mm. books and things, and we stop and we question and we dive in deeper and we go into the concepts. I mean, I think love is a vibration that matches the divine in all ways. Mm. And I think when you find that, then you'll know. And you'll never, and then you'll know what love really is. Love is knowing that you are interconnected with all that there is, all that exists, all that there ever was, and that your partner is you and you are your partner. And there is a synergy between the two of you. And whilst you may have personalities that are different, ultimately those personalities meld together. And create a beautiful learning experience. Do you think that you're both like the perfect mirror for each other? Absolutely. And so what happens when you don't have that? I mean, the difference between your first marriage and this marriage. 
Well, I, I like to, so we talk about magnetic attraction. We talk about how people are magnetically attracted to each right. other. Right. We're not vibing on the same energy. Yeah. And that's a kind of a, a new agey type thing. But here's what I like to, to, to talk about understanding. We talk about mirrors and how mirrors reflect what we see, mm-hmm. but can also maybe reflect what is in another person. Whether that be good or bad, what we need to learn. Uh-huh. But also remember, Don, that mirrors for thousands and thousands and thousands of years were used to scry and to see into the great beyond. Mirrors were never normally used just for reflection. Mirrors were really? used for introspection. Mirrors were used to look beyond into the afterworld, into the spirit world. Mirrors were used to go beyond what you could see in the material world and to scry into that which was deeper inside of you and to what was created in another universe or another vibration. So, yes, we mirror each other, but we also use that mirror to scry and go deeper into that spiritual void Mm -hmm. and to be able to see, become aware and discern what it is we need to learn and grow from. So a mirror is, yes, it's reflective, but that's not the way I look at it. The mirror for me is deep insight mm-hmm. into the other side. And so if if anybody's listening, I I would imagine that some people might say, gosh, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that was ever worth having was ever worth having easy. Huh. Famous spirit guide said that. Nothing that was ever worth having in this life ever came easy. And things that do come easy cause suffering in the end. Mm. Well, I saw you had written what you think is nectar is poison and what you think is poison is nectar, something like that. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's how you look at things. You know, it's, it's understand, you know, we live in a world that's a great psychological illusion. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and if we want, if we want to, you know, if we want to break it down to physics, you know, what we look at is an illusion because if we break it down, it is just vibration of a molecules and atoms that give them an illusion of solidity. Mm-hmm. Our experience is that we see something as solid and it becomes a material object, but to understand that everything is energy. And that the psychological that world that we live in is energy. And the building blocks of that energy is mind. Change right. your mind, change your reality. And so do you do you subscribe to that? Change your mind, change your reality? Yeah. So it's just a matter of, oh, if I have a mind shift. Partly. You can shift your mind into something positive, but remember you have to bring all of the divine laws together as well. You see. Karma does not work on its own. The law of attraction, you know, is really, is karma, to be honest. Uh And it doesn't really, it's an illusion in itself. It doesn't work. Karma is one of the base laws that we, that we, that we, that we should get to know. But forgiveness, the law of forgiveness or, you know, law of love, you know, these sub laws have a unique relationship to each other. Karma has a, new, a unique relationship to the law of responsibility. The law of responsibility is a unique relationship to the law of love. The law of love is, is a responsibility to forgiveness. And forgiveness mm-hmm. has a relationship to compassion. Everything is interconnected. How Everything many, has a relationship. 
How many laws are there? Well, you see, there is only really one real law, is what I said beforehand. The the sub-laws. And a lot of these sub-laws have been uh, taglined, if you like, or hashtagged, if we're in the modern day, um, (laughs) by teachers and new age things. And, you know, there's there's a lot of laws that they say are laws and that really aren't a divine law. You know, a law of reciprocation. Well, that actually doesn't really come in any divine literature and some of the old old uh concept well some of the old writings from thousands and thousands of years ago don't have what we consider as divine laws and they have they have a few divine laws is how the universe operates on on principles and maybe three principles you know um you know mind you know thought everything is thought really we're all thought how we interact with thought, how we manifest through thought, everything is thought. So a lot of these principles and laws that we give credence to are really born from man's understanding or man's ignorance or man's perception. I was just going to say limited understanding. It's limited. You know, I've been studying divine law ever since I was young. I'm still studying it and still trying to learn it. And I haven't found anything really in, in ancient literature that really says these are the fundamental laws. Hmm. What I do have, what I do know is that there is only one law in which the universe operates and that's the law of balance. Mm-hmm. And when it's out of balance, it creates these sub laws and karma creates duality. And so then we have then the relationship with other sub laws. And so was that. Well, we could go on and on and on. And it's the same analogy of, you know, how many chakras is there? Well, and, and we understand that in normal literature that there's seven chakras. When in actual fact, there's way more if you go and look at, you know, the Upanishads and different, uh, it might you know, even be the Upanishads. It actually might be another Hindu scriptures and ancient, mm-hmm. you know, Sumerian texts and things that we have these energy vortices that, that number in the hundreds. So there's a lot more that we don't understand that thousands of years ago they did. And so we make things very simple. There's seven chakras. And if they're out of balance, this is, this is, you have to look at it. Well, that's a kind of new age concept. And really, when you go back to ancient literature, there was many, many more of these energy vortices or these energy points in the body. Hmm. Um, But we tend to, we tend to want to understand things from an instant coffee perspective. No, you I want, was just going to say, yeah. We want instant right. gratification, instant results. Let me instant just gratification. Google that, Jock. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you want to develop anything in your life, then you have to work at developing that within you and it becoming your practice that is internalized and not a skill that you try. Okay, so how do you develop this sense of internalization? Like for, for somebody that this is, this is new, this is a new concept. And yet I feel just from being here with you, I feel your presence, your sense of groundedness, your sense of, mm. um, you know, wisdom and knowledge and, and knowing. And for me, it gives me a sense of peace, a sense yeah. of reassurance, a sense mm. of um, safety and security that 
all is well because the universe is continually yeah. just ebbing and flowing to restore yeah. this sense of homeostasis and balance. Yeah. How do you, how does one learn to be at one with okay. this? So I could go in and I'm going to tell you a very simple way of doing it. Like I could, I could go in and give you loads of tools and say, let's do meditation, right? And let's do these prayers and let's do these, let's do these, let's develop these skills. Uh huh. But, but you just, told me right before we started, keep it simple, silly. Keep it simple. So here's a simple <laughs> thing. So why don't we just start with having a cup of tea or a okay. cup of coffee or a drink of water? Okay. And why don't we just start with just becoming aware? that we're holding the cup, becoming aware that the water's there, becoming aware of the gratitude that we have the ability to drink that water. Where did it come mm-hmm. from? Going deep into the story of what you're doing in that moment. That will start to awaken something in you. And it's very simple. You don't have to then go in, you know, put the caftan and sandals on, sit and hum a mantra and go into meditation to try and get realized, you know. Maybe we just start in our own, maybe you sit outside and you watch a bird and instead of, Watching the burdens, yeah, that's a nice burdens, fine, but it's interesting. Maybe go into its story. Where did it come from? Where was it? How was it connected? Wonder what it is. The minute we start becoming inquisitive with the, the nature of nature, mm-hmm. we are starting to become more connected to nature. Mm. And if you want to start to develop your, your, your spirit and you want to spiritually grow, then start very simply with becoming aware of nature and have it and, and, and start in that way. And it may be as simple as just sit, sitting with a cup of tea mm. and looking at and having gratitude for the tea, but going into the story, why are you having, see, most people will say as well as gratitude, let's talk about gratitude. Most people will say in gratitude that um, I want to be thankful for the day. I'm going to be thankful for what I have. That's not enough. That's just words. Mm. People can say a prayer glibly right. and wrote, and right. it means nothing. Right. Until you become one with it in mind, body, and soul, and go into the story of the prayer, the story of you, it has no power. Hmm. But what happens is it's, it's like an affirmation. An affirmation in itself has no power, even with its repetitiveness, unless the mind, body, and the soul is intertwined and interconnected. Hmm. And the deep awareness of that affirmation, the story of that affirmation is connecting you to that which is divine. Say an affirmation a thousand times, nothing will change for you because right. you're, you're disconnected. Right. You create discord and disconnect within yourself. So create connection within yourself. Be aware of who you are. Be aware of your body. Be aware of the blessings that you have. And it's very simple to say that in, in a, a, a simplified tone, uh, you know, like it's, it's easy to do. It's not easy to do to really, really combine your mind, body, and your soul together. But many times I've sat with a, a, a cup of tea in my hand and taken the time not only to enjoy it, but to be thankful for it and be thankful from where it came and be thankful for its energy, be thankful for what it does in my body, be thankful from where it came from, be thankful for who picked the leaves. And I go into intuitively mm. creating that story in my mind I see the child that is with his mother in maybe India tugging on her skirt as she's pulling the tea leaves and putting it in the basket. I go into the reality and I create in my mind that story of gratitude. Then that stirs something in my soul. So I would say, ladies and gentlemen, 
if you want to start the journey, have a cup of tea. Simple. It sounds so simple. It does sound simple. And I, while you were talking, I was thinking about how people get disconnected from mm. their bodies and get disconnected from their emotions and get disconnected mm. from their spirit. And so many of us are just on autopilot, just yeah. trying to survive. That's true. Just trying to survive because we've been hurt or we've had these experiences which caused us to doubt and disbelieve yeah. and feel mm-hmm. unsafe and insecure. And so how do we how do we come back to that sense of that sense of just have the cup of tea <laughs> when I'm so, trying to deal with all of this other yeah, stuff. Okay. So realize we've had the saying that a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. Right. No, it does not. The journey of a thousand miles starts with awareness of the journey and awareness of the choice to take the first step. Mm. It's all about awareness. Really is all about awareness. And even though we have, and, and to have an awareness of the journey and have the, the, the beautiful gift of choice to be able to take that first step, mm. it right. doesn't matter how hard the journey is going to be. And it doesn't matter as long as you leave the expectations behind. To just have the awareness and the choice to begin it will we'll slowly start to change everything outside of you. Change everything inside of you and everything will change outside of you. And the illusion of the time and the illusion of the pressure and the illusion of the world. And don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen, I still feel the pressures of the world. I'm not enlightened in any way that it doesn't affect me. But where I can come to balance is I have a deep awareness of when that happens. And I have the choice to choose a better path for me. Mm. And it will be always a journey of discovery. I will never be off this journey. So even when, and, and I'm caught up with business or I'm caught up with things and deadlines and everything else. I doesn't I want to take a vacation. That's another story. Um, but I, I will have, you know, I, I feel the pressures of life, but I also, I'm lucky that I have a really deep spiritual awareness and that when I recognize, when I become realized to that, when I become more aware of that, I know I have the choice to change it. And I know that that one small choice can change the, the can change everything on the outside. And don't be the, the thing is, is we're also frightened of, of we have an expectation of when we're on a spiritual journey that we should have some amazing enlightenment and the whole world would change. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work, but it's work that is so joyful and, and brings you so much joy and so much happiness and contentedness and peacefulness inside of you that it's worth going through those trials. It's worth it. When we're trying to survive in the world is because we are told that that survivability is what people expect of us. Mm-hmm. We try to survive in a world because that is the expectation of the world. That is the expectation of the material world. Try and maybe think that you're not surviving and don't even think about the old cliche that I'm thriving. Just think that, you know, you don't have to survive and you don't have to do it alone. 
and to realize that you are a divine being and that every choice you make is one step closer on that journey. Every, every, and you can make good choices, negative choices. You have responsibility to the choices that you make. You have the karmic results of your choices in action. But unless you become aware, there's a deep power inside of you that's trying to pull you on a spiritual path. Then let it be, let it pull you. You'll be amazed at what you'll find on that journey. And remember that everything in this world doesn't, it, nothing exists without its spiritual foundation. Nothing. Even to a skeptic. I was just going to say, even if I don't believe. Even if you don't believe, nothing exists without it. And it doesn't require your belief. But one day you'll maybe jump on the train to knowing. That's the difference. Mm. Yeah. So how do you, how do you jump on that train? I, I mean, I'm like hearing my kids in the back of my head. <laughs> I'm hearing my kids in the back of my head because I have these conversations with them as well. And, and, and I, I, I hear their skepticism. Mm. I hear other people's, you know, well, well, the, the difference between the religiosity of mm-hmm. that, you know, of mm-hmm. that thought versus the spirituality of that thought and, and why so many people in the world are fighting <laughs> and having competitions and wars and, mm. you know, power struggles and all of those things. Well, firstly, religion is man-made. It's not divine. It does, did not ever come from any divine precedence. It didn't come from any divine uh, teachings. It is a man-made thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, spirituality is there whether you like it or not. How do I know? Because you can't exist without it. Well, I'll give you a very simple, a simple example. About, an example about belief. You believe if you like, the air that's around you is a requirement for your life. Without the air, you will die. You can't see it. It's not tangible. You mm. can't hold it in your hands. Right. Yet you choose to believe in it. Yet, inherently, it has, you, you cannot perceive it in any way. It doesn't require your belief to exist. Mm-hmm. The same as the big argument about demons, you know, de- demonic beings and things like that. This is another th- thing that I kind of deal with, but um, it doesn't require that you believe in them for their existence to be real. It doesn't require you to believe in the air for existence to be real. Mm-hmm. And you need that. You break that down, it's a spiritual concept. Even the air that you breathe. If we look in all the religiosity, if you like, breathing is in the Bible. He gave breath and they gave life. In Buddhism, the breath brings peace. Sufism is the same. And in, in all in breathing and Native American, uh, spirit, you know, belief systems. Right. The breath is incredibly powerful. So how do we get on? How do we understand it? It doesn't need you to understand it. It just needs you for to experience. Once you experience something, 
that brings you more harmony, more peace, or exchanges your perception in a way that makes something stir inside of you, you'll want more of it. And so the journey begins. Mm. You just need to experience it once for it to captivate you on that journey for the rest of your life. So if when you were telling this story about, you know, the, the other people in the monastery yeah. having these visions and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but they actually weren't. Yeah. And, and so there's this sense of I'm missing something or I'm not getting that. What's yeah. the matter with me? Why am I not experiencing this thing? And here's the thing. Once I experienced what divine power was, then I wanted more of it. Once I experienced that peace of something that I could not comprehend, Mm -hmm. that I could hold in my hand, then I wanted more of it. Once I experienced the power of a prayer actually working from a point of service and not of desire. Mm. That's amazing. And then you want more of it. That's a big shift because most people nowadays are just talking about things from desire. Everything's from a desire. But here's the thing that I always teach my students. Spirit, God, whatever you want, will never give you what you desire. Will always give you what you need because what you need is what your soul needs to grow. What you desire comes from your ego and the perceptions of the material world. So there's no point in asking, what do I want? What do you want is what does your soul need? What does my soul need? That's the difference. What we want is not what we need. I want a new watch. Do I need a new watch? No. No. I, I want to, you know, here's the thing. I, I, so I want to be successful. Do you need to be successful? No, no, because success, the minute you open up your eyes in the morning and go to sleep at night, you're a success already. And you're, the alive. Minute you're given, you're given a beautiful miracle of life and every 24 hours you're given a new one. Mm-hmm. We chase things because we're, we're attached to the expectations of others and what this world deems is successful what this world deems is uh greatness but the reality is isn't the butterfly that 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 emerges from the chrysalis a miracle in nature and isn't that the greatest thing that you can ever experience simple but we don't think of that because we're always in the position of i want this i want this i desire this right it's not necessarily what your soul needs So I try to think more of what does my soul need? Because when my soul is fulfilled and it is in its point of creation, in its fulfillment, there is no need to desire or want because everything that I put my focus upon will happen as a natural process of divine law and action. Mm -hmm. And that's the sense of like confident knowing yeah, that is your knowing. Yeah. That it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. It's fulfilling your, fulfilling. your soul's need. And it, it brings you, you know, harmony. I'm a great lover of harmony. Peace. Peace. 
we see, we always we always look for happiness in the wrong places. Um, and, externally. And externally, you know. And, and here, I'll give you an analogy. Here's just something, that, and it's from a little example. If you want to experience real happiness, it is not the experience that you have from your conditional happiness that you've been given a gift and you feel happy. Mm-hmm. It's in being happy because you witness the power of happiness in another individual. That is true happiness. Mm. And to exemplify that, um, I watched a program where some women were incredibly, incredibly overweight. And they tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And then one day it started to happen and you see them stand on the scale and you're not happy for you. You're happy for them. Right. And when that stirs inside of you and you're so overwhelmed with emotion that it almost brings a tear to your eye, (laughs) that is real happiness. Happiness is the greatest service that you can give another person. Happiness is not something that comes from the ego's need to be content. That's powerful, Jock. You just sit with that for a moment. You just even sit, even thinking of it. The next time you, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the next time you're out, try and witness other people's happiness so that you can feel what real happiness is. It's not what you get. It's not what you want. It's what is love without condition and to be happy for someone else. Because they have their experience in a moment that is serving their soul. That's true happiness. Nothing more. <laughs> <laughs> good. It, it's powerful. It's a good thing to think about. It really is. I mean, oh. <laughs> I once watched a little boy. I was in South Wales. And, and this, this, this brought a tear in my eye. And everybody, you know, you look about the restaurant, the coffee shop, and people are laughing, they're joking, there's noise and everything else. And somebody's arguing about this, somebody's moaning about the government, somebody's moaning they don't have money, somebody's moaning about this, somebody's moaning about their job. This little boy was a paraplegic boy. Mm. And he was given a piece of toast. And that toast brought him so much happiness. And for me to witness how that toast was making him happy and how it seemed like the best thing in the whole world that he'd ever had brought a tear to my eye because that's when I realised what real happiness was. It wasn't in the materialism, it was in the experience. I experienced what that young boy, that paraplegic, was experiencing. And that for me, I'll never leave my mind ever. And when I really feel that I'm struggling with happiness or I'm feeling that I'm distant or disconnected from my own spirit, I'll think back to that little paraplegic boy and I'll look at him in my clairvoyance and I'll look at him in the eye and I'll look at how his mother was so joyful at giving him the toast and that that boy needed nothing but a small piece of toast to bring him the greatest experience. Sometimes we just need to sit with a cup of tea or a bit of toast and really experience it for others. That's what happiness is. Making it cry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't normally get a podcast host crying. (laughs) There you go. No, I mean, it's... 
it's the the simplest things that we that most of us take for granted absolutely and to and you know yes the world is hard to live in and it's because we see it as being hard to live in but even to just ignite some little bit of spiritual seed within you can change everything so much for you yeah and to you know, I often pray. I have a, this is my prayer chair. I had to, I've got to get a new chair for my desk, but I had, I had to pray because, um, I like to pray underneath the stars mm-hmm. and I go outside and to really feel the power of a prayer. I can say a prayer or pray for someone and I know it's not powerful. I know that I'm not there until I can go into the story of the prayer, until I can get into the story of the happiness, until I can actually go into the story. And it comes down to this, and I often teach this to my students. When you're reading something, the words have no power, but the space in between the letters, between the words is where the power comes from because that is where the animating force that exists that brought the words to life. Mm-hmm. Read between the words, between the letters, between the spaces. That's when you become more aware of what it, what is unseen. That's the nothingness that is yeah. all. And realize that you're part of that. You see, I don't have to belong anywhere because I belong everywhere. We always look for a sense of belonging to something. We want to belong to a group. We feel, you know, um, Chris's group that we met on, amazing, right? Great, belong. We need feel like we belong here, but we don't really. We belong nowhere because we belong everywhere. The fact that we are looking for belonging creates suffering in our mind because we think that we are not welcome anywhere. But when we realize that we are interconnected, that we are connected to everything, everything that exists, that the tree that you look at, you are the tree, the butterfly that you see, you're the butterfly, you're you're part of the animating force that exists in everything. You belong everywhere. You are the paraplegic boy. You are the woman who was struggling and has now had a breakthrough. When we are really aware of our deeper connectedness to everything, it changes us within, changes our journey. And the journey, ladies and gentlemen, does not start with the first step. The journey starts with the awareness to take the step. The thought becomes form. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) So um, hopefully many people listening to this today will you know, maybe one day just decide to sit and have a cup of tea. Yeah. And, and, and that could be the whole change That's that they waited for in, the, in, in this world. That's beautiful. Okay. The last question that I'm going to ask you is a question that I ask all my podcast guests. And just a hot one. It's a hard one. Maybe not for you. Maybe not for you. <laughs> Every question's hard. Go on. Um, because the podcast is called Wake Up to Real Love. Yes. How do you define real love? I think I've just defined it. I think if you listen back to this podcast and you can't experience what real love is, then you've missed what the podcast is about. So I'll answer the question by saying to your readers, 
I've already answered the question within this podcast Numerous and go times. back and listen, <laughs> go back and listen to the podcast. Ask yourself the question, take yourself a piece of paper out and you define what real love is for you because I've already answered that. You are an incredible, incredible human being, <laughs> spiritual being. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I'm nothing special. I, I just, I have a little bit of awareness that, that I choose to share. And I think that's the most important thing is that we share with, uh, love without condition. And I'll, I'll leave something yeah. else with you guys that are listening. Next time you give alms to the poor or you give a sandwich to a, ho- a homeless man, question yourself on what the motive was that you gave it. And understand what love without condition really is. Because if you give it to feel good about something or you feel good about your giving, thinking that that's the perception or the perceptive reality that's expected of you, then you've just created negative karma. Have no connection, attachment or or anything to it. Mm. And just give with love and service without condition. Mm. It's as simple as that. It's beautiful, beautiful, Jock. Okay, how do people get in touch with you? Um, you Learn can, so I have, you. <laughs> I have two websites. I have one that's exponential spiritual coach where I do my spiritual mentoring. And, um, if you're on LinkedIn, then I have a newsletter on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn under, uh, Jock Brokus or John Brokus. I can't remember. Um, and my own website, my personal website for my afterlife work is, uh, jockbrokus.com. As simple as that. Or of course, if you're into the paranormal, read Paranormal Daily News and um, you'll find me there writing articles and teaching with uh, with other teachers as well and that's, workshops and that's things. That's the next podcast you can come on. We'll talk about Yeah, that. absolutely. I'd love to. It's brilliant. Yeah, I'd love to definitely do that. Something different. Um, I want to thank you, Don, for, for sharing this time with me. And um, I think it's been awesome uh, to be a guest on your show. And I hope, and, and in fact, no, I don't hope. I know that the name that you've chosen for your podcast is the one that will carry in people's hearts because mm-hmm. there is no relationship that can exist without a spiritual foundation and love. And Thank that's amazing. You. Thank you, Jack. And you, you keep shining your light because that's amazing. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't think I've cried like this on, a, on, different, on another podcast. <laughs> it really, really touched me, Chuck. So thank you so much. Um, so for everybody who listened, <laughs> I hope that it touched your heart like it touched mine and touched your spirit. Uh, because this is what this is all about. Absolutely. And service to, you know, help uplift and, um, Help us recognize our connection to the great creator and love and the love and service that we give to each other. And if I might actually do something, I I don't normally, I'm not going to plug my books. I've written books, but I do want to plug my wife's book. Yeah, go ahead. Because my wife's book came out two days ago or yesterday. And it's it's called Clear Spirit, uh, Clear Spirit, the, the immense, amazing power of clearing energies in your home and your life mm-hmm. and everything else it's a nice. phenomenal book i watched her write it over a long time over a year and a half as she did it just came out and i know it will change lives and if anything um 
my wife is an incredible spiritual soul and the information in that book will change your life, uh, you know, and I would plug my wife's book rather than my own. So That's go and look at beautiful, that. Beautiful, beautiful. So it Queer just came out and her name is? Joanne Brokus and you can connect with her on joannebrokus.com. And uh, that's where you, you can get the book on Amazon or in the stores. It's a couple of days and um, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal work. And, uh, and, and I'm I already, immensely proud of her. And I already asked Jock if she would be on my podcast. <laughs> and she might. She's fine. I like, I'm going to plug it. I'm she's to, very shy. But she's we'll she's, she's awesome. You wouldn't think she was shy. She's really, and she's quite funny as well. But she's, uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she, I'll, I'll plug her and get her to come on because you would love her. Absolutely love her. I'm sure if she's anything like you, which I imagine she is, she's yeah, another beautiful absolutely soul. more so than me. Nah, well, <laughs> I don't want to do any comparisons because you're pretty incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you, Don. It's been amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure being thank with you, you today. Thank you. So, for listeners, please um, share with all your friends. Share the wisdom. Share the love. Share the knowing. Share the connection. <laughs> Uh, subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Uh, write a five star review. Um, you know, leave me messages, drop me comments, what you would like to hear more of. I'm sure I'm going to have you back, Jock, because there's I, would, I could I could spend days, weeks, months <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> it would be an absolute honor and a privilege <laughs> to, to come back on your show. Awesome. So, uh, and you can connect with me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Clubhouse, all the things. Um, yeah. Uh, if, if anybody wants support and their love and relationships and their, their connection, mind, body, heart, and soul, both within yourself and then the relationship that you have with others, uh, feel free to send me a message and I'll see how I can best support you. But um, I'm so honored and grateful and thankful and delighted that you are here today with me. Um, it's really been a blessing to me so thank you jock no it's been an honor i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it one of the best ones i've enjoyed for a very 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 long time thank you all right so listeners every day every day wake up to more and more real love take care we'll see you next time bye subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast leave five-star reviews and of course share with your friends you can find dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.